slowly losing our faith in the working of democracy. Welcome to Hand of Pod. say losing our faith in the working of democracy, what we mean is that so far not enough of you have voted in the um, award to find the best Argentine abroad. Julian Speroni of Crystal Palace is currently leading the standings by some considerable distance, uh, with Lionel Messi coming a distant second and then a few other people having picked up one or two votes each. Of course, if you want to vote for Speroni, then that's your own business, but if you want to vote for somebody else but end up casting a vote for a second choice on the basis that everybody else will be voting for Messi... Seriously, if I read any more variations of that in the um, emails that you're sending me, I'm going to start crying. Please just vote for your favourite player. Could be our fault because we forgot to mention Messi last week. Yeah, I mean, maybe. There was a few guys we forgot, but Messi yeah, was one. I mean, I was scratching my head, as I said, and trying to recall somebody who'd scored 50-odd goals. We just couldn't put our <laughs> yeah, finger yeah. on it. Yeah, no, but uh, on a more serious note, please don't forget to, to keep your votes coming in. Um, Apart from if they're for Spironi. <laughs> yeah, uh, Spironi actually is leading the standings. Um, oh, hold on, hold on. Why? You, you, you you're a Brighton fan, what you want? Yeah, I, I need to, to introduce these people first. Um, as ever, I'm, I'm Sam Kelly, and you've, you've already heard that I'm being joined by Seba Garcia. Si, sí, claro. Hello. <laughs> who will be doing tonight's podcast entirely in Spanish. <laughs> just, just to confuse our listeners. So they can, and slightly defeat the point of doing this podcast for an English audience. Um, and to Australian Dan and English Dan, who will be doing it in, I believe, a variety of Swahili and um, Austrian German, respectively. G'day, Paulus. Hello. There we go. Good. Right. We've got a couple of topics to talk about this week, uh, aside from the voting patterns <laughs> in, in the awards. Uh, the email address, as we mentioned last week, is awards with an S at the end, at astelgolsiempre.com. Please don't send them to sam at astelgolsiempre.com, which is the address that you'll find in the contact page, because I can't count them that way. It gets very confusing trying to tally up who's voted how many times. The one thing that I think we should probably mention before we get cracking on the league, guys, is the international friendly that was played last week. Of course, there was another one played just a couple of nights ago between Argentina and Poland. But the one that everyone's been talking about is last Wednesday's match in Abuja, not Lagos, as I read in a couple of online articles, not quite sure where, how well they were researched, between Nigeria and Argentina, let's say Argentina B. It seems I will call them the fake under 25. Under 25. <laughs> I found out they called the gold, Argentina gold this week. Really? Yeah. It was, it was officially billed as the, the Guinness friendly or something, I think, um, <laughs> like a prestige tournament, but I... The first thing I'll say is... People I think we're joking, we're actually serious. Yeah. Um, the first thing that I'll say, quite irrespective of the, obviously the charges which FIFA are investigating, which we'll get onto in a second, is that I think that this is it's one of the ridiculous things about... You somehow can't bill a match as a B international anymore. Hmm. You know, England... I remember England played a B international in 2002 or something at some point, and there were loads of people kind of my age or whatever who were asking, what, what, what else would be international? It was such a long time since there had been one. 
And that's effectively what this was, because Nigeria's first team was... Well, it wasn't their first team, and it was, it was far from. I think it, there were maybe three or four players who might make the squad in the Nigeria kind of World Cup squad, say, last year. And Argentina certainly wasn't. There were two players, three players who were in the Copa America squad. Two and, players, I believe. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Arleta, and, and, and also, yeah. it, was, it was billed as a chance for these players to kind of push their, their cause and to develop and get into the national side. And, of course, it was played... Two days after, or yeah. one day after. <laughs> For me, that was the most ridiculous thing. Was it? I, I can see a slight point. We talked about it last year for this under 25 side, but if it's coming after he's already selected his squad for, for Copa America, at least there's absolutely no point. In it. No, and, unless he's looking towards the qualifiers, but then, you know, we've got another three or four friendlies to be played before that. And the other point is these guys are playing a day after they've just heard that they're not making the Copa America squad, yeah. so the, the motivation is going to be questionable, to say the least. Absolutely. Um, but it certainly wasn't demotivation that, that caused it. We have to say Nigeria obviously were very up for it, and everybody by now listening will, will have heard, presumably, the the fact that FIFA are investigating the match for allegations of corruption, which in itself is fairly laughable. <laughs> um, FIFA investigating other people for corruption. That's going to come out entirely well, of course. But the referee was the referee of a match with a fake Togolese 11 that was played sometime late last year, I think. I remember reading about it at the time and not paying very much attention. Yeah, against Bahrain. That's right. Yeah, somebody, somebody just organised this friendly and said, OK, I'm... Uh, you give me the Bahrain uh, national team and I'll give you the Togo <laughs> national team. And he brought 11 random guys to represent Togo. And <laughs> no, no. Fantastic. Not even a relative of him. Adebayor or nobody, nobody we know. And obviously uh, people could tell they, they were really, really bad at it, at, at football. So, uh, it was about yeah, the Togolese as the, the Qatari football team is Qatari. Uh, pr- probably they were Togolese, but the, the question is, were they football players? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So uh, the thing is, um, the guy who organized that, Friendly, that infamous Friendly, was behind this, uh, the, the, the organization of this Friendly between Argentina and and Nigeria and the referee was the same those things I didn't know at the time the, the, the game was being played they started two comments on yeah of course yeah, yeah, was like, during the game or I, I, I was pretty angry at this point because Argentina <laughs> were probably Argentina lost 4-1 we, yeah. we haven't mentioned yet yeah. with an awful awful performance the reason for the investigation is first of all that before the game there were a lot of bets being placed on a 4-1 result to Nigeria and secondly Five minutes of stoppage time were added, and in the 80s, in the 97th minute, it was still odds-on for a fifth goal to be scored, and then a penalty got given, which was just... <clears throat> I've never seen a more fast-score decision, about <laughs> possibly the penalty that Godoy Cruz didn't get given yeah. by Lenati a couple of weeks ago in the match against um, against Banfield, I think it was, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. It was ridiculous, and of course, it scored. Yeah, the thing, the thing that led me to believe that it was just down to the referee being just bad and poor. Was that only two minutes before Bertolo was brought down in, in, in the area, and that, that was a re- that was really a clear penalty, and the referee didn't give it. And I, said, I thought, okay, this is just a case of bad refereeing, and that's it. Two minutes later, he gives this ridiculous penalty, and. I just thought it was another mistake, another honest mistake by this referee who has uh, given Nigeria a penalty in the first half 
which was never found yeah. by Fazio. No, and near as <coughs> farcical a decision as the one they gave. No, it was, too, it was a closer still, call. You know, he kind of looked at it and thought, oh, really? So, yeah, I was... Uh, the innocent nature of... The, the, the <laughs> I have, yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm an innocent man. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I just thought it was just a series of honest mistakes, but... Uh, and, I, and I was thinking, okay, Nigeria, they brought up... Uh, they, they brought a good team to, to play this game, and they were facing a really bad team, and, and the game was called by a really bad referee, and that, yeah. that was my understanding of it. But then, day after the game, an investigation started uh, being rumored, and, and well, uh, yeah. we'll see how it goes. I mean, knowing that Grandona is behind this, right. I doubt well, knowing that it's, a, it's an international that was just there to generate money, basically, because as we yeah. talked about, it wasn't to, for team selection or anything. Well, I thought it was very interesting to um, to see the other funny thing about that game, apart from the referee, was what came out from Grandona the next day. So he basically said something along the lines of, you know, the prestige of our national team can't be sold because, you know, obviously he's embarrassed that they lost 4 1 to Nigeria. I was trying to. And that's kind of like, you know. But that was aimed aim at Batista, not, not, not at the yeah. organisers. No, 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 no. no. But then the funny thing is, you take the point that Grondona, more than anyone, has done more to kind of sell the Argentine team as a brand and he sells their friendly rights and everything. It's just like. And he approves. The kettle, but and he, also, he approves this. Uh, these kind of friendlies, and he was the, the man who appointed Batista in the first yeah. place. So, I mean, it's completely <laughs> down to him, yeah. yeah. The fact he's going to come out, yeah. You know, the, the thing that I was struck by in the, the couple of days after the game, certainly, the thing that I think probably is going to hold the most interest for our listeners who, being largely from an international audience and living outside Argentina, will possibly have read about this in uh, on American or British or other European websites. Um, is that in here in Argentina, the betting angle, the, the fact that this is being investigated by FIFA, I've not seen it mentioned. I've been told that it's been mentioned by a couple of the chat shows on TV, but certainly in the online press and the paper press, it's got very, very little coverage. Saw, Everybody's just jumped on and started criticising Batista. When the truth is, if, if this match was fixed, if it was always meant to end 4-1 to Nigeria, that doesn't suggest that Batista's... I mean, OK, there are lots of other arguments to whether you are or aren't happy with Batista as a manager... But this, that one result doesn't necessarily suggest that Batista's a bad manager at all. But it's been used by the Argentine press that way all the same. And yeah, not, not that we needed a, a game like this to know that Batista is not a, yeah. it's not a world-class I think coach, we got that after like, the last week with the Tevez situation and all this yeah. kind of... We yeah, got to know him yeah. more, like, more as a man yeah. with the Tevez situation. And but before that, that's what we're saying. Basically. Of course. And, but what, I'm, what, what I wonder is... Um, did the players knew? Did the players know about this? Well, yeah, that's the, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't think so. They, they didn't necessarily have to, because of course another point is that this is a team who hadn't trained together. In, no. before the, I mean, they, they met up in the afternoon training session after all having flown in from various points, having flown into Nigeria specifically for the game. It, it, Batista didn't even get any time with them. You know, if, if it had been... If it hadn't been a, a, a rigged game, and of course we have to stress again that FIFA are investigating it, it may turn out to be uh, completely legitimate, not that any of us are actually expecting that. Yeah. But if it hadn't been a rigged game, you could still understand them losing to Nigeria by, by two or three goals yeah, because I think the, the they whole, hadn't trained together before. Even the point of the betting markets was not that it was 
be pre- predetermined that it was going to end 4-1. It was that people were amazed that after yeah. five minutes of injury time, there was still yeah. odds on that there was going to be another goal. So, yeah, this is a big issue. I don't think anyone's suggesting that Argentina went out to throw the game. I wouldn't want to give that impression at all. Well, I some of the, Sunday, I mean, the third goal for Nigeria was... But this is, I think this is a problem we've been through so many times for Argentina. They just don't have <laughs> defenders at any level, kind of. We've seen it in the local Selección, we've seen it in the under-20s, the under-17s. Yeah. And the it happened again. The 14. They just don't have defenders for some reason. <laughs> right, uh, a couple of the guys we've bigged up as well, Garay and, and Fazio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Fazio was terrible in, I guess, the, I guess Poland, Poland too, as yeah. well. Yeah, there's just no, no depth whatsoever. No. no. But it was interesting what Sam said, where that, that angle was not picked up at all in Argentina. And the other thing, even the reports I've seen were like reporting that the British press was reporting that hmm. this in thing. A, in a very, the British are all pirates and trust them and, and all the rest of it. The same kind of attitude that Grandona had in this FIFA conference where he. Ah, uh, no, don't be like that. No, <laughs> the, the, the man said, I will give you the vote for the World Cup if you give us back the Falklands. No, I mean, don't be like that. nothing to but, do with that. But don't be like, don't be like that with the rest of. Uh, uh, like with the Argentine oh, no, media, I'm saying, they're I'm, not like what I'm saying is that in this one instance it was a kind of similar attitude I'm, I'm not mm. suggesting that to, to say that uh, that the Argentine media all fought over Grandona all the time would be a <laughs> gross inaccuracy I think it's, it's very fair to say so, um, so another I, question would be for me because I'm uh, as I mentioned before I'm innocent I don't know the things <laughs> uh, what was the deal with this I mean there, I know I know is 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 a market there is a market for this there are people making yeah. millions out of uh, gambling uh, activities illegal activities so what's what is it what's the situation here they, well, they, so this is something a, that uh, just to do with the if you know for a fact that there's going to be a, a goal after six minutes of injury time and you pay places Two hundred thousand dollars on that. Yeah. Uh, no, I know. I know that. I know that. But, it's kind of but what the what the situation is is the internet. They changed the lines. Yeah, the, yeah, the internet has opened up this kind of betting as the game's going on. So, say you're watching the game and you think it's going a certain way, the odds are changing as the game goes on, and you put money on. Yeah. Say, I think it can even be as ridiculous as the next throw in or the next corner. Yeah. Yeah. That kind yeah. of loan. No, I, I up to up to that point, I know, but then. When this, when all this money is being won by people, anonymous mm. or not, mm. is there any kind of connection with the with the real protagonist of each national team? Like, for example, mm. the head of the of one uh, football association, say Argentina, I, for example. I would, I would is think it, that Grandona or somebody involved with the Argentine yeah, football. Yeah, we are. It could be or it couldn't be. I mean, it could just yeah. be. Uh, Singaporean warlords, or it could be, yeah. uh, <laughs> it could be uh, football associations involved as well. It would, because yeah, I, I, I know that, that the football I, associations would at least have known about this guy's previous record. Let's say, no, maybe somebody said, oh, they like, should, we'll, give you, they should have we'll give you five million dollars to play in Nigeria. Yeah. We have a couple of friendlies coming up after the Copa America. No, I'm not going to say. No, because <laughs> because I know I know that uh, at least what goes on record is that Argentina the. the the Football Association of Argentina, they got $200,000 for mm. the friendly, which mm. I don't think is a big sum of money to send a team, to, to bring a team to, to Nigeria and, and make them play there. So, I don't know, I'm thinking if there's any possibility that it was actually more profitable than it actually was. Due to this... It's, I'd say it's a possibility. Yeah, sure. I, I really have um, no idea how it Another thing that I... That I wanted to Maybe I'm not so innocent. After all. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that I wanted to just 
suggest with with this lack of, uh, relatively speaking, lack of coverage that he's had in Argentina, the, the betting angle, was as Seb has already mentioned several times, he's innocent um, to all of this. He, he doesn't, he didn't realise that something was going. The on. word innocent is funny. Can, can be translated as innocent or, or naive. I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, you talk about like innocent football teams, as in like. England was innocent not to bring Maradona down uh, when he was yeah, scoring yeah, yeah. the yeah. second goal. And, um, and, and the thing that I've been wondering is that here in Argentina, gambling just isn't as much of a, a big thing as certainly as it's become in, in Europe. For instance, in the city of Buenos Aires, there are no casinos within the city limits. There, there's, there's one out on the little artificial island in, in the river because the river is counted as the province of Buenos Aires. <laughs> but it's this kind of um, country, just not as much of a betting culture. It's um, interesting, actually, if you don't mind me saying, because I used to work in this. I worked for a, com- a company called Sports Radar, who regulate a lot of the online betting markets, and they send people to games to collect the information. Yeah, you did that too. Yeah, it's good yeah. fun, isn't it? Yeah, yeah no. you get to go to games. They pay you. It's yeah. almost like being a journalist. But and I used to tell kind of Argentine friends of mine what I did, and I had a hell of a time trying to explain it because this whole idea of you know yeah, betting online, betting to... as the game is going on, they're like. So you're yeah. basically a magician then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. Because the other thing that I realised, of course, was that when Serba was talking about when we were all watching the European Cup final um, in our respective homes, not all together, and Serba was mentioning on Twitter that he was going to win some money on the result, and I saw a few people were tweeting you and going, oh, Serba, you're, you're addicted to gambling. You've placed like three bets in your life. You're an addict. And I think if you went to Britain, I don't think anybody over the age of about 21 has not placed a bet in their life. <laughs> Um, and obviously, some of that is is them joking, and I mean, some, yeah, yeah, but, but it's it's the kind of thing that you just wouldn't it wouldn't even be classed as matey banter in in, in England because everybody has placed at least one bet or two bets. Yeah. But that's probably exhausted the the wise words that we have to say on this matter. We felt that we couldn't uh, ignore it because we realised that a lot of Handapod's listeners will be wanting to hear our very learned conclusions on the whole thing. Um, just briefly before we move on to the, the league and etc, I was just wondering what you guys think about whether these two games, because the, the Poland hmm. international finished 2-1 as well to Poland, hmm. and Argentina had another terrible performance, and now we have a, a lot more criticism of, of Batista. If you think that's damaged his, I don't know, his reputation even further, hmm. uh, because as Batista made the point the other day was he said, well, after we beat Spain, Portugal and Brazil, uh, those were just friendlies and that didn't mean anything. But now that I've lost these two games, I'm, I'm the think, worst coach in the world. I think this is always the um, catch-22 with friendlies. They're just completely no wins. If you beat these teams, then you're expected to win and no one cares. If you lose, then suddenly everyone's looking for hidden, hidden meanings as your team going down. Mm. But I think maybe for Batista it just means that as I'm going to say in an editorial that's coming out for Goal.com tomorrow morning, look out for it. <laughs> or it'll probably already be out by the time Sam edits. I hope it will be, yeah. I'm not planning on editing <laughs> no. overnight. But yeah. Basically, I think what it means for Batista is this with the Tevez situation means that the honeymoon period for him is completely over. Mm-hmm. Like, I think before, especially compared to Maradona, I know it was a different situation, Maradona came in much more high-pressed situation. And also but, Maradona was a complete clown. Oh yeah, of course. We have to <laughs> Which, you know. Batista's merely a bit of one. Yeah. So. But I think Batista for the last year has got a very kind of easy ride from both the press in Argentina, also the fans and to an extent from Grondona. He's not been questioned in the same way Maradona was and 
everyone's become like, oh, he's working towards a project. Let's, apart from by Maradona. <laughs> apart from by Maradona, yeah, but hey, we expect yeah, that. Dan, let's put it this way: any honeymoon will be over if your if your partner takes you to Nigeria to get beaten <laughs> by eleven men. Anyway, <laughs> as I found out, my first marriage. That's very true. <laughs> so no, for me, is uh, <laughs> I call this the the tour of shame. This this uh, friendlies in Nigeria and then Poland, and it. It wasn't over just uh, on the pitch because when they were returning from Europe, they couldn't land in Buenos Aires because of the volcanic uh, ashes that the you can explain yeah, it because you'd be better. No, no, we haven't. Been no, there. There. A, a, volcano, volcano, yeah. a volcano exploded. No, you could explain yeah, it better if you speak English. I think yeah, most, most of a lot of our listeners actually would have heard about it. Certainly. More than a few of our listeners are planning on coming down here for the Copa America and possibly panicking slightly about their travel arrangements. No, basically, there's an ash cloud affecting the, the airports in. Yeah, in, which supposedly has yeah. arrived in Buenos Aires, although I've struggled to actually. Yeah, no, see it's it's over. Line, yeah they, they closed the airports only for three hours, which were the three hours window in which <laughs> Batista was coming <laughs> right. back to the team. It was a cursed so, voyage, yeah. yeah. So now they have to play Brazil or something? No, <laughs> they, well, they probably attend the, the farewell game for Ronaldo in Sao Paulo tonight. <laughs> So, um, for me, it's, uh, it's, it was very damaging for Batista, mm. for, for his image, but there is also a theory, uh, and, I li- and I love conspiracy theories. You're not so innocent, Sarah. You uh, talk <laughs> about this innocence, but no. It's, uh, it's not my theory. I, I, I read it uh, on Twitter. Twitter is a wonderful thing, but <laughs> it, could do, it could do bad things to your brain, too. So, uh, <laughs> and it's worked for, for me in that, in that, <laughs> in that case. And here's a theory. Right after the game uh, between Argentina and Nigeria, first thing Rondona did was, oh, we are, uh, like, like you said, Dan, we are throwing away our prestige, our, our tradition, our history. And so he, he really went against Batista, like clashing horns and, and, and criticizing Batista on public. And this is probably the first time correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's the first time yeah. he yeah, yeah, criticized yeah, yeah. And he's coming only a week after Batista made peace with uh, mm-hmm. Tevez. Yeah. And Tevez and Grandona, they don't like each other too much. <laughs> Tevez have, have uh, criticized Grandona previously. So, yeah, but I had a, I had there was a journalist saying that this is probably uh, like a retaliation from Grandona against Batista for... Uh, yeah, then you have the other conspiracy theory that Batista is just like puppet of Grondona and he does whatever Grondona says. And Grondona saw how popular Tevez and how everybody, when people in Chaco were cheering for Tevez, asking for Tevez and, and that friend that he told Batista, well, now you have to call up Tevez. Despite everything you've said, you now make you look like a fool and call up Tevez. So, you know. But where does it put Batista now? Because, I mean, Grondona looks like an idiot. Yeah. In any case. There's people don't like do very well in the Copa America now. Like yeah, that's, for me it's all it's all talk at this point. Yeah, it's a, yeah it'll be forgotten in a week. Like the, this is the other thing actually. The, the win, uh, the the losses undoubtedly pile more pressure onto him. But they were with a completely different team. They don't actually affect the likelihood of Argentina winning the Copa America at all. And if he does manage to win the Copa America, which you know, even though he's maybe not the best manager who was available to Argentina when he was appointed, it's still not. A ridiculous no, uh, thing to imagine that, that they they could be contenders for the copper. If he does, then everything's going to be forgotten. That, that's the the ultimate. You know, if, if he can end this eighteen year trophy drought, you know, whether I'm not saying that it would lead to Seba tracking backtracking and saying that he's suddenly a world class manager or anything. Mm. I, don't, I don't think any of us would suggest that. But no, we're getting him in a second honeymoon yeah. period. And, I mean, it, you it, know, it, until he loses two qualifiers in a row, yeah. and then it all starts again. Yeah. Kind of thing, so. 
I have a question, though, for, for you guys. Like, because I think when Batista took over, this under-25 team was kind of his baby, what he wanted to do to kind of develop the team from grassroots. Or since, After these two losses, do you think they can risk having another under-25 game if people are going to... Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I, I think they just have to bill it as a B international next time. Yeah. Just be honest, about think, it, and, which they're not going to do. But. I don't think it's going to work, especially if Batista keeps calling players over the age of yeah. 25, <laughs> like Sabaleta, the captain, yeah. 26, and Bellucci, 27. Yeah. And I haven't checked all of them mm. because I, I, I suspect there there are more. But there was Alejandro Cabral. He was. Uh, in the team against Poland and he is a substitute in Legia uh, Warsaw correct well I, I said when the squad was named that I had a feeling that he'd been called up just because the game happened exactly. to be played in Warsaw exactly but this is a man who never made a name in, in the local league and no. let alone in Europe but if there, if there was an Argentine player playing in the Nigerian league he'd have been called up for the squad as well you know to, for the yeah. Nigeria friendly just yeah. to, to try and sell some more tickets locally I think which is the one point on which Batista is kind of selling the prestige of the national side far more than if Grondona sells the friendly and says okay yeah we'll let you score four against mm. or whatever if, if that's what Grondona said but the one thing that's undeniable is that if Batista is calling people up based on who's playing in the league that, of the country they're playing in how do we sell more tickets okay let's call Cabral up and there was another Legia Warsaw player as well I can't remember who yeah, now no, I, don't, um, I don't remember that's the the, the thing is uh, a B national team with players competing in Europe could work if there were no age uh, restriction and if it was mm. to say, okay, I, I have my core team, I, I, I have my A team with Messi, Tevez and the likes and I want to see others that are playing regularly and he calls up the likes of Lisandro Lopez, um, Lucho. Lucho González, yeah, Paulo Zárate. That's what yeah. we thought the idea of the team was when... Mm. when we talked about it last year, but the way they're doing it at the moment, it seems quite pointless. It seems like a money spinner. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, if anybody else, if nobody else has anything to say, I think we we take a very quick break now, and I'll play some music, and then we'll come back and discuss the the domestic club football action from the weekend just gone. It's been a very dramatic week. Uh, well, particularly a very dramatic evening last night in the, in the title race. So we'll be right back. Replenished our glasses and had a discussion about the semantics. Word. I have to say, replenish, yeah. yeah, replenish. I, I love that okay. word. I, I'm going to incorporate it <laughs> when possible. I'll try to. I'll try to use it. So it's very nice. You can use it in the pod today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. nice okay. use of the word incorporate as well. So well Good. Um, yeah, as I say, we've, we've now, as I was saying before, I was so rudely interrupted. <laughs> we've now replenished our glasses and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Admonish little. So almost exploding in excitement at the fact that I've now said replenish twice <laughs> in a minute. Um, and, and we're coming back to discuss the, the action in the league this weekend. Well, we might as well start with the, um, with the end of the weekend, I think, unless anyone has any objections, because the, the two key games to the title run-in for the Torneo Clausura were both played at the same time on Monday evening last night as we're recording this. They were Vélez Sarsfield, who were first in the table, against Godoy Cruz, who were third, and Independiente, who were... Sixth. Sixth. 
Oh, you're right, yeah, much further up than, uh, than I was about to suggest. But not in the title race against Lanús, hey, who was Not in the title race, but if, well, if won, Vélez yeah. and Godoy Cruz were, uh, ended in a draw and they beat, they beat Lanús, they would have been only three points behind the, the leaders with two games to go. So, anybody detecting some uh, some nerves in Serba's voice? <laughs> no, no, my, my heart is replenished that Independiente <laughs> couldn't manage. <laughs> so now they're out of the title mm, race. I don't know. Yeah. You see no, that? no, I'm not sure. <laughs> I have to, to try it again. That was a bit contrived. Yeah, the <laughs> we, we can say it was first versus third, and then second versus sixth. Precisely. Yeah. Um, the the final results were that Lanús got a two one win away to Independiente, which would have put some pressure on on the two other teams playing. But Belles in the end got a fairly impressive win in what I thought was a pretty entertaining game um, against Godoy Cruz. They won two nil. Uh, the first goal was a very good hit and. A typical kind of cutting in from the wing and then smack it into the into the far corner from Juan Manuel Martinez, and the second was um, a brilliant kind of chest and volley from David Ramirez against his old club. Uh, he didn't celebrate afterwards, even though it was a stoppage time goal, which basically killed any chance of a Godoy um, win. It's pretty so, late and celebrate, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> well, possibly. Yeah. It was, um, I mean, I, it, I think it would have been hard to keep your head. It was a brilliant goal, mm, and it, it came to a crucial point yeah. in the game as well. Um, but he managed to kind of keep his cool and just give a wave and, and look apologetic, as you should do, I think, in those situations. The Clausura table, therefore, now looks uh, roughly like this. I'm holding up a picture in front of the microphone, but none of you can see it, so I'll describe it. Bellis Southfield have 33 points, or maybe 32. Oh. <laughs> They're one ahead of uh, yeah. Lanús. Yeah. Bellis Southfield are one ahead of Lanús. Five ahead of Godoy Cruz, or four ahead of Godoy Cruz. Five, five yeah. Essentially... To stay in the race, God, I course, need yeah, both of the other sides to, to lose the, at the weekend. You have to turn around the picture you just show us so you can see. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, I think we can safely say that Godoy Cruz are now out of the race. Yeah. Yeah. Five um, points behind two teams. With, uh, if they win next weekend and both Vélez and Lanús lose, then they'll be in with a chance. But that's, that's what it requires. So there's only three teams that can possibly win it now, and it's probably it's, you know 90% yeah. sure between Vélez and Lanús. What did we think of the... The two performers. I know, I know that myself and Australian Dan were watching Veles Lanus. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Veles Godoy. I think it's interesting this breakdown part. actually because it seems like you two watch Veles Godoy and, <laughs> and the two Rassing fans, 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 fans decided to uh, be a little bit masochistic and watch our rivals. If we were feeling cruel, we might suggest that you have an obsession. But, uh, <laughs> well, no, I like watching Lanus. <laughs> for, for, yeah. for a bit, I have to admit I was watching Special Agent also uh, on <laughs> Disney Channel. <laughs> That was my my son's choice. So I, I Are you sure Felipe then didn't ask you to put on the football? No, well, I, <laughs> I made him look yeah. somewhere else and, and then I changed the channels. No, well, shall we talk, we'll talk about the Velez game first. Yeah. Um, I, I was expecting it to be a bit closer, actually, because, you know, Godoy Cruz have been right up there all season, but I thought Velez were, were good for their win. Yeah, they I mean, were having the thing... Sorry to interrupt, but the other thing going into the game that, that led us to believe that it was going to be quite close, of course, was that we'll talk about it properly in a, a short while, but Vélez got eliminated from the Libertadores um, on Wednesday right. night. And they were showing their, their um, exhaustion near the end of that match. Mm-hmm. They took off Martinez, they took off Silva. But the, the goal came fairly late. I can't remember mm-hmm. which minute. Yeah, yeah. With half with five minutes. <clears throat> right, yeah. so, but even though Vélez were, do- were, were dominating the, the play, um, I was saying just about 20 seconds before the goal went in that um, as we saw against Peñarol during the week, that they were having trouble breaking down because they're a great counter-attacking side, but, yeah. but when, when a defence is set in front of them, sometimes they have trouble. To, to and I was suggesting perhaps uh, crosses into into some, like 
down the wings with, with Ricky Alvarez, etc., and crosses into Santiago Silva. Uh, just as I was suggesting that, uh, Juan Martin Martinez... Juan Manuel Martinez. Juan Manuel Martinez went on one of his uh, yeah, zigzagging runs and basically you know, split uh, the defense mm-hmm. over himself. But, but even though I was paying more attention to the other game, I was changing channels and back and forth. And when I happened to be <coughs> uh, watching Vélez, I thought I happened to see the, the turning point in that game, it was, which was a one-on-one a situation for Ruben Ramirez, a horrible back pass for, from uh, Zapata. To, to clarify, Ruben Ramirez, I got confused with this, I, I've, I've done it several times this year already and attributed to Godoy Cruz goals to David Ramirez. Ruben Ramirez is basically the guy who Godoy Cruz used to replace David Ramirez. Expand he's, but he's now yes, a, a Godoy Cruz midfielder, not... not the guy who I already mentioned who scored the best. And he, he should have dribbled around the keeper and instead he tried to hit it first time and, and Marcelo Barovero, one of the best keepers in this tournament by mm-hmm. far, sure. uh, stopped it. And as I said, if I think it was the, the, the turning point in that game because if that was going in, coming from a, from such a major... or mayor. No, major, major. <laughs> major <laughs> such a major uh, upset uh, against Peñarol mm-hmm. midweek. To lose again at home in front of the, yeah. of all the supporters and uh, lose the top of the table. That might be right. Uh, although uh, until that stage, that came out of nothing basically. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if they had gone one goal down at that stage with the exhaustion that they were showing, it would have been a big problem. Yeah. So it's hard to say. But it, I think they were, they were good for their win, and they showed that they are classier. But they, they probably have more talent than than Godoy Cruz. Yeah, I mean, I, I was having uh, for a lot of the first half along with Seba. Uh, discussion with a British journalist, um, Sam. We're guessing at the pronunciation of your surname, I'm afraid, but it's Mames. We're guessing names. Um, it's not. I don't think it's. A, it's I think it's a play of words. Yeah. It's uh, Sam Mames, as in the stadium in Bilbao. Uh, okay, right, right. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, apologies for not picking up on that. Sam was obviously <laughs> clever at this and that. Anyway, we, we, me and Sam were, were discussing this with him and trying to explain to him why Vélez are a relatively unpopular club with people who don't support them and let's face it there aren't many people who do support them in Argentina and why we were therefore as neutrals kind of more cheering for Godoy Cruz so you kind of want to say that Godoy should have you know deserved to win the game or whatever but Vélez dominated it and it was a really impressive performance throughout and I will say even though we we make fun of Vélez for not having many fans I was at the I don't know if we're going to have time to talk about the Libertadores semi but I was at the semi on Thursday night and the, the stadium was was full and it was it was a great atmosphere actually. Although yeah, they they do go a little quiet when when things are not going their way. Yeah. Did they, do they insult the, game, the, the no the players after the game? No, no. On this occasion, no. Hmm. I have been there where you know like the the team is failing to score and they'll just turn you know they'll hmm. turn on the team, which yeah. is which is why they have this reputation. I, I have to say actually, having having a couple of weeks ago we were discussing Meles and Huracan and who, who was the sixth club and all of us pretty much came out saying that we prefer Huracan but I've heard Huracan's fans turn on their players more than anybody else I've, in any football club I've been at over the last season which is understandable given that two years ago they had a fantastic team and now they've got a dreadful one no, I, didn't, I just wanted to mention yeah. that I thought Vélez the, yeah. the fans were they, they, they put on a really good atmosphere for yeah. that game and they stayed and applauded afterwards so it wasn't uh, the, what many people would expect as a typical Vélez because I was asking because I saw in one of the news channels they they have their uh, journalists just outside the stadiums interviewing fans as they leave the leave the ground and there was one Vélez fan who was saying 
oh, Silva got paid because he's from Uruguay yeah, yeah, and he missed yeah. the penalty on purpose or whatever. And he's been a legend. Yeah. Silva had more incentives than anyone. Even, so. Yeah, even if you he saw, was you born. His, in his, his goal, his second goal, he, he grabbed the ball and like went into one of his typical manic like celebrations. <laughs> like, but actually, the point was, yeah, he didn't organize a celebration. He just went yeah, absolutely yeah, nuts, yeah, yeah. which indicates you know he was pretty keen to win that match. Yeah. Mm. He he was he has been yeah, very solid yeah. for for Vélez. I actually thought he had a fairly poor game, but apart from that, you know, it, yeah, it was, it was obvious that he, he wanted to to win that game. Uh, and Independiente Lanús guys, what did you think? I mean, Lanús. We've the one thing that I noticed, obviously watching the highlights a bit later, was that a player who I've um, either on Twitter or here on Hand of Pod have, have raved about in the last few weeks, Silvio Romero. Managed to miss a penalty. <laughs> yeah, he scored it um, first. Yeah, he was unlucky about that because he scored the first penalty. Oh, but really? I think it was Cesar Carranza. Cesar Carranza, or maybe Cabranesa. No, no, it was Cesar Carranza. Was, it was Carranza. He was encroaching in the area. Right. And it's happened so many times on retaking penalties. He took it again in Ilario to mm. give the Independiente keeper credit. Yeah. Pulled off a brilliant save. Did he yes. go the same Very way or did he go the other way? No, he changed it. He changed it. He went right. low uh, right yeah. corner and then he changed it to top left and Hilario yeah. saved it. Yeah. Yeah. But then after that, he scored, yeah, I think it was Mario Riguero. He scored a very nice goal. Yeah. Yeah, just right. after 2 0. And then Independiente pulled one back and it was pretty kind of scary stuff for Lanus at the end. They have scary for Rashford fans. Yeah, disallowed as well. No, yeah, it was a. Yeah, it was clearly disallowed. It was a bit controversial from referee because. Do you reckon that the first that was pretty much. No, I mean, in general, the, oh, the whole, yeah. the whole, his whole game yeah. was a, a bit controversial. He got a, a ball to his face from yeah, Fredes right. in the first half and you could see his eye was. Really sweating, and he, he, he was blind, <laughs> no, 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 blind, no blind. <laughs> I flipped over for the last few minutes yeah. and noticed that when he blew the whistle and thought, Has he been in a fight? Or it was blood, no, coming, in the, in the blood coming from his nose, yeah, yeah. And blood pouring everywhere. So, the thing is, now the independent team doctor is saying he advised him not to continue right. because he wasn't. <laughs> he, he said, I don't think you're fit to continue calling this game, and now from independiente point of view they're saying that he was so adamant so so keen to continue playing that they're suspicious suspicious now course, uh, yeah. but they, they disall- he disallowed a, 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 a goal for independiente near the end which right, would yeah. have been it right. but it was offside yeah, it would have been 2-2 mm-hmm. uh, at the time yeah. and then after the game because of protest he sent off the goalkeeper Hilario yeah. Navarro and uh, Cristian Pellerano and also the, the Independiente manager Antonio Mohamed, who was going nuts. Yeah, he went yeah. to near the corner flag, stood in front of the linesman and was shouting abuse at him. And I think he was over the line. But yeah, that, that's what, uh, what Independiente fans are, are now a bit angry about. And upset. Well, I think we should take the positives from that game as well. Yeah, of course. And in the midfield again. Yeah, the so midfield, and in particular, a player who's already got my vote. What hap- whatever happens the rest of the season for Player of the Year. Diego Valeri, yeah, who made the Copa America team. I think we probably mentioned it last week, and he scored an exquisite free kick really to give him the first. And he has after eleven minutes, I think, eight goals from midfield. Eight goals from tremendous. midfield, and he's not just but I think at the start of the Clausura, if I remember rightly, when when he came back from. Where was he? Russia or something? No, he was in Porto, but then on loan at Almeria. Yeah, and, and when he came back to Lanús, because he was at Lanús before he moved to I Europe, believe, we, we all agreed that he was going to be a, a big player in the class. Or yeah. a, I mean, I've done a little bit of digging on this, and I think that he never, well, his kind of past, as we say, his contract rights never left Lanús. He was only ever on loan at Europe. Uh-huh. Oh, really? That's Apparently he went on a, a year-long loan to Porto, that didn't work out, so 
he went, then went on a year long line to Amaria or however long it was. But his contract rights were said in Lanus, which is why it was so easy for them to get him back. Right. And what a piece of business that was because yeah. he's been, yeah, for me, hands down, the player of the season. Yeah, and, and no matter what happens in the next two rounds. And as I, I think it might have been Australian that I mentioned last week, and Lanus's midfield has just been with, with Valeri and Camoranesi in the middle, and, yeah. and the two guys out wide as well, it's just been. Superb all the way through. Camoranesi, I thought it was Francesca Schiavone. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> they, look, they look very similar to me. So, as, as <laughs> we said, as we said it's, it's now really between those top top two for the title. Um, we, we were looking at the fixtures, I can't remember who Vélez have to play still. I can um, tell you. It's uh, Huracán next, away, away, and Racing. Racing, of course, yeah, Racing, yeah. Yeah. Racing at home, and um, Lanús, of course, I. Who, they, they, they play Argentinos, Argentinos Juniors Argentinos away uh, at sorry at home and then they finish up away to to River Plate um, in a match which it's now virtually certain River are going to need to win to avoid the relegation playoff do you want to talk about that a little bit sir? well that's what I was if you'd noticed I'd look <laughs> nicely into it um, I thought you might just be looking to gloss over it quickly <laughs> no 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 I think we, we, we have to discuss it because um because I can't I'm, I may as well just dive head first in since I know I'm not going to be able to avoid it essentially <laughs> the the relegation the key results done the, the relegation um, battle over the weekend were first of all it was one on Friday two on Saturday but only one got played mm-hmm. um, which we will talk about briefly in a couple of minutes he said that well yeah um, one of the games that did get played on Saturday was Arsenal and Desarandi before anybody from London starts getting excited <laughs> um against Olimpo and the situation with that one was basically that had Olimpo won or had it finished as a draw River Plate would have stayed in the relegation playoff spots but it would have been it would have been thrown back into their own hands whether they survived or not they could have stayed up with three straight wins at the end of the season as it was as they now won 2-0 or 2-1 2-0 which dropped Olimpo down into the relegation playoff places lifted River out of them but it was also the only result of the three possible outcomes, which meant that River's fate is now not in their own hands, thanks to the fact that if Olimpo win a game, the three points they get for it are divided by fewer matches and therefore are worth more than if River win a game. We've spoken many times about the ridiculousness of the, the three-season-long point-averaging system in Argentina, I love it. and this is the perfect example. Even if River had won their three remaining games, Olimpo only needed two wins to... to uh, condemn River let's say to the, the relegation playoff yeah. as it was of course River won't get nine points from the last three games because on Sunday they drew 1-1 at home to Colón not a particularly bad performance but not a particularly good one either I thought and one thing that, that was kind of a relief was that Seba certainly has mentioned a couple of times that he feels like River have one strategy when they're either level or ahead and another when they're behind and River fell behind 12 minutes into the second half with a goal from Esteban Fuertes who's about 37, 38 very, very old he used to play for Derby County I think he was under yeah. Brian Clough maybe <laughs> <laughs> so <yeah. laughs> that um, tells his story I, I disagree I don't think we were playing very well at all um, this was one of the few games this year that Lamela was not particularly good. No, that's true. Lamela disappeared. I think one of the as well had a nightmare. Really. Well, well yeah. not saying shouldn't be playing. No. Yeah, but I mean, his mind's already in Spain for me. Well, it's it's between. 
obviously the court case that he had at the turn of the year. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't played well for two years. The no, newly born daughter, born. the newly born daughter, the move to Spain, too many things in, in yeah. such a little body. He's and just going again in yeah. Spain. And, yeah. I mean, I take some slight exception to what Australian Daniel said about him not having played well at all for two years. I, I think that when he comes off the bench, he's looked okay. But he shouldn't be starting, because every time he's started... He's looked completely unfocused and like he's not been interested. It's like when he comes off the bench, he seems to think like he's got a point to prove. Yeah, sometimes. Um, but then often that's only in contrast to what the rest of Rivers' team have been doing for the preceding 70 minutes, which is farting around and <laughs> giving it to the opposition for the most part. But yeah, Leandro Caruso, who's now up to four goals in four starts from the Clausura, which makes you wonder why Jota Jota Lopez wasn't starting him all along. That makes him their top scorer as well. It does, yeah. He is their top scorer for the year because Pavone has three. Um, he got the equaliser with with nine minutes or so to go. And the bizarre thing then, though, was that although previously I, I agreed with Seba that when River and Level are ahead, they've got one plan, when they fall behind, it's another. But the plan when River and Level are ahead is to you know play possession football, keep pressing, keep trying to move the ball forward, keep looking for the goal in a kind of intelligent way, even when they haven't got the forwards to do so. And for the last nine minutes after they got the equaliser, they were looking for the win just by passing it back to Carrizo and then letting him lump it up the pitch. It was long ball after long ball. And you think this is but, but they hit something the post the team aren't they don't. Well, sure, yeah, the post could have, could have the team scored. aren't worth uh, aren't, aren't used to, to using. And they had by that point they had Caruso, Pavone had come on, Funes Mori, okay, had come on, but nominally he's a forward at least. Um, they had essentially four people up front because Lamela was pushed forward as well. Yeah. So, yeah, so and, and it was just kind of just throw everything you've got at them and, and see what sticks. There was no approach to it. And of course one of the things that this leads into is the fact that just yesterday we were told that uh, Daniel Passarella has approached um, remind me he's, approached, he's approached somebody to, to take over at, at River Ramon Diaz uh, no it's, it's not Savela or Diaz because Savela's accepted the Simeone. job in the Middle East I heard something very different uh, it was a very different approach no no listen to this it's a, you, you like this gossip I, I, no, 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 it's nothing to do with managers, but it has to, something to do with Pasarela. Um, I heard that he made a different kind of approach mm. to one of the player's uh, wife. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and now that player got sold a few days ago, oh, yeah. and he's not starting anymore, and, well, he played. That's interesting. Yeah. And, anybody uh, who follows, uh, certainly anybody who follows me on Twitter will probably have guessed which player Seba's talking about now. We might as well say, actually, I've already mentioned his name. Yeah, go ahead. Mariano Pavone, ladies and gentlemen, who's moving to um, to Tijuana. Which yeah. is a great story in itself, if we've got time to... Yeah, Tijuana's team got promoted, along with a couple of ex-River players, actually, in their squad. They've got four or five Argentines, I think, and they got promoted to the Mexican First Division two or three weeks ago. They've got some ridiculously long Aztec or... It's something like Jolopato, yeah, mm. Club which basically means the dogs yeah. um, or the coyotes. Or it's something. A, no, it's a species of dog which is smaller than a chihuahua. <laughs> I had um, I had a lunch with a Mexican what? friend and he put me right in. The, this, as well is the, as, yeah. this is the kind of analysis you just don't get on other podcasts. I hope, I hope people can can enjoy this yeah. knowledge. We are. Yeah. <laughs> That's an interesting thing about this club as well, Tijuana. Who are also they seem to be buying up a lot of South Americans because they just brought up uh, Daido Moreno who played mm. for Once Caldas. He mm. was going to go to Portugal, but I think the Mexican Pesa spoke to him and he's going there. Mm. But the president of this team, Tijuana Huachi Huachipato, <laughs> is 
now under arrest for yeah, Mexican yeah, authorities. By the military. Uh, yeah, by the military, because they raided his house and found... I think it came out in the news, it was That's brilliant. It was chihuahuas. <laughs> it wasn't little chihuahuas. No, that would be quite a nice story. But it was basically, yeah, they raided his house and found, um, as they put it in the news quite brilliantly, it was uh, 50 weapons, uh, 25 of military grade, and 25 smaller for hunting. <laughs> 25 of them are okay, then, in that one. Well, so it has to be like the song goes, Welcome to Tijuana, Tequila, Sex, or Marijuana. <laughs> Manu Chao had it. Manu Chao said it all. And so, yeah, I don't know. They seem to keep buying plays, even though they're yeah. presidents behind bars. So. Yeah, for, from a financial point of view, I feel I should point out, for, for the benefit of any River fans who are listening... Seva said that Pavone had been sold. It's not strictly true because Pavone was a free agent. He was previously on loan from Real Betty. But that situation, he, he sorted that out with Real Betty and kind of took ownership of his own registration three or four months ago. Um, so River won't actually have a fee, I don't think, for no. for him moving to Tijuana. Mm. <laughs> um, so, well, so don't get too the excited point, about it. But the point is, is bringing the, a replacement. Yeah. But. Mm. Ah, okay. Uh, that, that was where you were going yeah. from. No, <clears throat> going to but the, the point is that Pavone's wife mm. who is a model is also kind of a his agent and yeah, uh, that's, okay. yeah that's kind of a there were high orders for so JJ Lo to not, so not play Pavone from the start that's, so Passarella was what offering her a night that she couldn't forget in return for her husband's transfer rights <laughs> <laughs> Is this, uh, is this how poor no, no. Now he's sitting in the <laughs> he, wasn't, he, he, he wasn't <laughs> looking for anything, anything in return. He was, he was looking just, for Pavone's wife. <laughs> exactly. Just that night, he wouldn't forget either. He needs to think about better to utilise his charms in that case, because I'd suggest that Daniel Passarella in a pair of knee-high stockings would uh, possibly stand more of a chance of enticing a decent striker to River's squad than, than the money they've got, which is absolutely zero. I don't know where you get the stockings from, but... No. <laughs> To, to somehow bring that back to the game I thought it was funny how River had all these useless strikers on at the same time and what four you could say three or four strikers on at the same time I still call Caruso useless as I said he's got four and four I think he's fairly useless I think well, he makes I mean the fact that everyone's calling for Caruso to play he's, 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 he's not going to strikers I, I completely agree with that he's not going to get sold to Barcelona but he's the yeah. top scorer and he's got as many yeah, which goals four, as he has goals. <laughs> but he's only got four he's only yeah but you know you see him play a full game and he's you know, nothing to write to Europe about. But no, I, I uh, the, the fact that Biche Fuertes was given half a chance and, and he scored it brilliantly, yeah. you know, uh, showing all these river strikers exactly how, you know, what they need with one. Colón had one striker up front. Mm. Uh, I think that was what we can take from that game. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, but I really think that, um, in my opinion, the rest of River's team, it, uh, accepting the fact that Carrizo is probably not going to still be with River next season in goal, um, but the rest of the outfield players are fine. We just need one or two strikers who can score more regularly. And then you'll be looking at a team who, and I don't think it is hyperbole to say it, we'll be looking at a team who are at least challenging for the title, even if they're not going to do anything in, yeah. in continental competition with that kind of squad. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're not very far off, but the lack of goals is just astonishing. Yeah. So my question to you will be, Sam, do you think River will play the promotion? I think River are going to be in the promotion now, yeah. I the fact that it's out of their hands, the fact that Olimpo's last two matches are at home to Newell's old boys, um, who aren't much cop, and then Kilmes. they're finishing off away to Kilmes, who I think by that by that last day are probably going to have been relegated. I mean, even Ricardo Caruso Lombardi admitted it. And he said he's going to play the, the kids, he's going to play youngsters exactly. in the last game. He's basically given up, yeah. um, which either suggests that the youngsters' parents have paid him some money to do so. <laughs> <laughs> um, or... 
suggest that he genuinely and, and Caruso Lombardi what, the one thing that we can you know that I'll, even I'll say about him that's positive is that he's always fought right to the very last mm. point where he's got a team who are battling against relegation but Quilmes on Sunday drew 2-2 with Boca Juniors if you have a chance to look up Boca Juniors two goals in that game then you should do because they were both stonkers the first one was from Martin Palermo from approximately 75 yards out which drew him level with Jose Sanfilippo um with 227 goals as the fifth highest scorer of all time in the Ar- is it in the Argentine first division or is it Argentine based Argentine first first division so it doesn't in count professional era from so it doesn't include his continental goals his Libertadores no it doesn't okay just in the domestic league good um, he's got his last two games in order to, to catch up and go level fourth with uh, Manuel Pellegrina he would have to score five goals so four, four, uh, four to tie him and sorry, five yeah, to you're right. four, him. four yeah. to, to draw level with him and five to surpass him so given that it was announced today he will be playing in the last game against Gymnasia he's got, he's got who a was the club who he scored <laughs> yeah. more goals against than anyone else who, who he did want to score four goals against in one game He's got a chance. I think that, so. that he's got four yellows as well. Is another point. Uh, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. If he picked up a yellow next week, that would be his last game. Yeah, I mean, take like a hard ref to give. Yeah, him imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in La Bombonera, because there's no chance that Palermo isn't going to be playing this coming Sunday because it will be the last match that he plays in La Bombonera. Yeah. Unless obviously, if Boca give him a testimonial or something, then then that will be. Mm. But it'll be the last competitive game that he ever plays in La Bombonera. Um, but that 2-2 draw meant that Kilmes have essentially now I mean Caruso Lombardi even the TV camera zoomed in on him after the game and he was almost in tears yeah. um, and then he said in the post-match press conference that he, they were down yeah. they are um, down I think yeah. especially so they, so mathematically yeah. they still stand a chance especially yeah. because Huracan and Gimnasia had not been very good lately but yeah. Huracan won even on Sunday as well so I think yeah. that's pretty yeah. much basically what they need to do is win both and hope for Gimnasia not to get more than three points yeah. so if, if Gimnasia get three or less points and well, Gimnasia and Oracan obviously yeah. because Oracan oh, yeah, are higher but, but yeah. what this means obviously in practice as I'm saying is that um, with Olimpo finishing off away to Quilmes by which point Quilmes ought to have been relegated River uh, playing Estudiantes in <laughs> in Kilmes Stadium in fact or is it wow. in Lanus, is it I think it's Kilmes oh sorry I thought you meant uh, the final game ah uh, no no nah. no they're, they're playing Estudiantes in Kilmes Stadium but it's, it counts as an away game um, this coming weekend and then in the last weekend they're at home to Lanus who of course are probably going to go for the title yeah, unless, unless they, they lose and Lanus win if Lanus are going for the title, I think that that's a nailed-on Lanus win. I can't see any other result for that game, the way the River have uh, I don't know. It's, it's struggling to score. It's a score. lot of pressure for a team to... We've seen a lot of strange results this year. Yeah. It, it, it is, but as we've already said, that Lanus' midfield this season has been superb. Obviously, if River yeah. are really battling for it, then that's another thing. But of course. River can't score be, goals. Yeah. Well, it'll be a hell of a game anyway. Um, yeah. So I, I Lanus, think, to uh, answer your question, Sam, I, I think the River are going to be playing in the relegation yeah, playoff. Uh, I, I don't like to admit it, but... Yeah. I can't see how they're going to get out of it now because we've already explained that it's not even in their own hands they can win both those games and if Olimpo win both of theirs then it's going to be in vain anyway so I think yeah. it's gone for River yeah well that'll be an exciting playoff game yeah the other notable results from the weekend were obviously as English Dan's already alluded to Orakan managed uh, a win for the first time in what seems like about 10 years um, they were at home to Tigre and they won 3-2 it was actually quite a thriller they, they took a 2-0 lead then got pegged back and then I think they went 3-1 up didn't they Tigre yeah. uh, I don't think any of us were expecting that the way, especially the way that Tigre have been playing of late 
Um, and that was played uh, without any spectators. Yeah, with no but spectators. the cameras show yeah, yeah. the high, the like how you call it, the, the, the upper tier. Yeah, and was it was full of yeah. yeah. They were they were supposedly that was supposedly to be for for journalists. And yeah, a lot of people I, jumping I up and down. Like, yeah, I even like, saw yeah, I even saw my wife my, my wife's uncle. Really, true story. True story. What? Who did see rifle? I, think, I, I believe Uragan. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm trying to think of any other. Oh, we should mention why uh, Newell's San Lorenzo was called off. Of course, yeah, we, we said this earlier. Um, Newell's San Lorenzo has been postponed potentially indefinitely. It was um, it was postponed before the match started because there was a gunfight outside Newell's Stadium involving different factions of their Barra Brava. Yeah, it was a hellacious gun battle. Yeah, uh, during which. <laughs> Dan's been waiting all week. I, I think one of Dan's friends is dared him to say that. Um, <laughs> d- during which a uh, policeman was wounded and the um, the match has been postponed. And San Lorenzo's president, uh, whose first name I've forgotten. Carlos. Carlos, thank you. C- Carlos Abdo told the press in the immediate aftermath of the postponement. He said, well, we're not coming to Rosario twice, so God knows when they're going to replay it, which, considering that if San Lorenzo are going to meet their obligations to the AFA, they're going to have to go to Rosario twice. Yeah, I, I mean, it, presumably it will be played behind closed doors as the Huracan and Estudiantes um, yeah, game. Yeah, it's pretty much a pointless one. game, I think. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not going to affect the relegation, it's not going to affect... Well, not, not now, maybe later. Maybe in a couple of seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it but won't. it's not like... It's not as if Rosario... It's not like Rosario is near Newcastle. I mean, it's just yeah, a couple of hours. It's three hours down the road. Yeah. Exactly. What it's, else do you have to do? It's three just hours. Go hours. They're going to be dead. There's my San Lorenzo players going to the Copa tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh so yeah, that, that was the reason for that one being cancelled. And aside from that, I don't think there were any really meaningful results for any of the, no, the no. races. Racing had a uh, draw against Gimnasia. I went down to La Plata for that game. Yeah. And, and the um, fact that, for instance, the fact that teams like Bock and Drew... Yeah. Um, yeah, the Sudamericana so basically plays the Sudamericana race is, yeah. is still just as I tight as it was. As well, Drew. Yeah. I, I think that's probably going to go to the, the last week before anybody really manages to no. uh, to confirm their places. I think probably the, the one answers. interesting thing I can say about the Racing game is that the friendship with Gimnasia is well and truly over. <laughs> because there's an interesting. Well, I find it interesting, but Seven might do as well. I know he doesn't care that much about the um, inner workings of the Enchada, but apparently the story is. Um, Gimnasia went to the World Cup and so did Independiente. Uh, They're the two Inchadas made friends. And no one quite realised until the Apertura when they were kind of singing at the start, Racing and Gimnasia Unido Simpletan. But then the Gimnasia fans stopped singing it, so they got annoyed. And so this Sunday they there was nothing to do with this and all the chants were kind of against, you know, Los Amigos de Rojo, Silvana La B and all this kind of thing. This is... Um a good example of the childishness. It's <laughs> basically, you know, like, you took my ball, so now I'm not going to play with you and I'm going to say mean things to you. Yeah, yeah. I made friends with my neighbours and now we're not friends anymore. There was some it's fairly amusing chants coming out of the Racing game. It's, it's a shame that since uh, since Gimnasia lent Racing their lawnmower all those years ago that things haven't still managed to keep up. But Gimnasia poured a cup of sugar and they never gave it back. No, exactly. Very briefly... As well, just before we move into Mystic Dan, we were wondering whether Australian Dan had anything else to say about Nelis Sarsfield's elimination from the Copa Libertadores at the hands of Peñarol. No, apart from what I said, uh, it was a really exciting game, not just for the way the result went, where, well, uh, the, the result ended up 2-1 victory to Vélez after a 1-0 away 
uh, after Peñarol had won 1-0. So Peñarol went through on away goals. They went through, but Peñarol scored early, meaning Vélez needed three goals. Yeah. And as I said, the whole, the whole match, Peñarol's a fantastic, they, they look like a Catenancho Italian side, the way they defend these tough Uruguayan I've defenders. I've seen a couple of people make the point that they've gone all the way through the Libertadores without winning a single game by more than one goal. Right. Kind of just doing the very... Yeah. Minimal to get through. And the, as we know, Vélez are a really well. nice attacking team, and they they couldn't break them down apart from a couple of you know moments of brilliance. And no, just apart from the the way the result went, you know, like one uh, one nil to Peñarol, Vélez needed three. Eventually, they broke them down. Again, they broke them down. Then they got a penalty. And it has to be said as well in the first half they had a legitimate goal disallowed, and it was it wasn't just a goal; it was what we call in Spanish uh, a golazo. Golazo, yeah, brilliant. Uh, was it Martinez in fact? Martinez, yes. Yeah. Well, when Martinez then, exchanging what, passes, yeah, I didn't was, see that. Okay. No, I mean, but the I, first goal, me, but, well, the, the first Vélez goal was offside, was offside yeah. so it cancelled out. It was, it was. Yeah, 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 don't it was be replaying. It was three. No, the the one who. The one Martinez scored, but the one that counted was offside. Right? Yeah, you're right. So I mean, it was. You know, it swings around about. Yeah. Basically, Silva Silva missed the penalty, which yeah. would have put Vélez through. Uh, but no, as I said, aside from the the, the way that the match swung, uh, it was just a fa- fascinating clash of yeah. styles, and, and yeah, it was a classic semi final. And along with another classic Libertadores game from the previous night between Cerro Porteño and Santos, who one of our friends who's going to be doing the Brazilian Copa America preview special with us is a Santos fan, so we're going to ask him about that. It sets up a proper kind of 1960s throwback final as well. Peñarol versus Santos, it's, it's one of the, the proper classic uh, things. But I, I don't think it would have quite looked the same if it had been Cerro Porteño versus Vélez, from the historian's point of view at least, let's say. It would have possibly been a slightly more interesting tie. I didn't say that. <laughs> um, no, on, on this note, we're, not gonna, we're gonna play the theme music and we're going to see what what matches Mystic Dan is going to suggest that you don't place bets on for these <laughs> results next week. To start off with Dan, last week, the weekend just gone. Um, do you know how you did? No, I no idea, actually. Okay. <laughs> really, I didn't even... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even look. So the last two weeks, I haven't looked at it. No, right. no, but, but Sam's still going to produce the table. Yeah, the yeah. I've, um, li- listeners will be interested to know. I, I don't want to, to make it public yet because I don't want to kind of subconsciously affect Dan's mystic divinings <laughs> before each game. But after the last matches have been played, I'm going to bring out a league table of the Torneo Clausura as it would have been had all of Dan's predictions come true. And all I can say at the moment is that there's at least one massive anomaly of what's actually <laughs> happened on the pitch which is really surprising and I do hope he manages to keep it up for the next two games yeah I was trying to guess what it was and I can't so. I, 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 having just glanced at your paper it's still going at the moment so it's going into the last match anyway Dan take, take, take it away I'm trying to guess that alright I'm saying Olimpo to beat Newell's uh, Colón Arsenal draw San Lorenzo Quilmes draw Gimnasia to beat Allboys away Tigre to beat Independiente uh, Vélez to beat Huracán away Estudiante uh, River, I'm going to say draw. Lanús to beat Argentinos. Boca Banfield draw. And Racing Godoy Cruz draw. Those results, of course, if they did happen, would leave Olimpo back above River in the Promedio and River having to play the playoff with Lanús to come in the final week. So we'll see how those go. Are there any there that really jump out at you and you think are ridiculous, guys? Or? I think there's too much controversy there. No. Uh, uh, as maybe. we always tend to say, 
they yeah. seem fairly sensible before the event. But yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if uh, River beats Sicilianus. And I think Tigre to beat Independiente is a fairly fairly bold bet. I wouldn't wouldn't say outrageous, but Gimnasia to win away at all voices is a bit bolder, I, yeah. I would think. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I like Gimnasia from what I saw of them on. On Sunday, they looked a fairly, fairly decent team. When you say you liked them, you don't mean you liked them, of course. No, obviously, because, because, you know, because now we hate them because they... <laughs> no, they that was based on always getting beaten fairly heavily last week, and Gimnasia looking pretty good recently. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's about all we've got time for this week. It, hopefully, it's been a fairly uh, taut podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, it probably hasn't, but that's been our aim, certainly, this week, because we've got another one to record immediately afterwards, which, as I say, you'll be hearing in five days or so probably but for now it's time to sign off thank you very much for listening to Hand the Pod again please don't forget to continue voting in the Argentines Abroad Awards uh, I'm wagging my finger at the microphone which Seb has just made fun of which is why you can hear the others laughing uh, it's, it's goodbye from me Sam Kelly and goodbye from English Dan goodbye from Australian Dan bye bye and from Argentine Seb hasta luego